We're excited again to be here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 5, uh, Matthew chapter number 5 this morning. Uh, excited and thankful to be here. I'm thankful for what God is doing. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Our teenagers just uh, have been a part of a D-Now weekend, and uh, so they're all over here. A lot of them are over here anyways, and I'm so excited. Looking forward to hearing what God <clears throat> has been speaking into your life this weekend. And so... Uh, what a blessing. So last week I, I had the opportunity to be over in Malone, Florida, and I uh, preached at the 110th homecoming of Malone, First Baptist Church of Malone. And so it was an exciting time. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. It's where ministry started for me and Bonnie. And uh, so it's a place that we love dearly uh, with some people that mean a lot to us. Uh, it was through Bonnie's cancer uh, years that we were members of the church and they were the hands and feet of Jesus in our life and so to have the privilege and opportunity to go back has been such a blessing uh, and uh, but uh, but having said that I'm so thankful to be back home today I'm thankful for Ross filling in last week for what God's doing in his life and using him just in a phenomenal way uh, in this church family today we're beginning a new series Matthew chapter number five we're going to be working through uh, the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5 6 and 7 uh, one of Jesus Christ's sermons recorded uh, in Scripture and uh, it's an incredible incredible group of messages a few years ago uh, psychology today did a survey and, uh, and 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 in their survey they they surveyed people and they said what is happiness and, uh, and then number two, not only what is happiness, but how do you obtain happiness? What is happiness and how do you obtain happiness? And, uh, and, and the results obviously didn't reveal everything, but, but, but yet at the same time, uh, from the results of psychology today, they found that happiness is not found in prosperity. Uh, happiness is not found in prosperity. In other words, just because we have more money or have a nicer house or have a nicer car uh, doesn't make us a happy person. It might make us a little bit more comfortable, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make us happy. So happiness is not found in our prosperity, but happiness also isn't found in pleasure. In other words, uh, 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 what we do is we find temporary relief uh, in moments of, of what we would call pleasurable moments, whether they be some form of entertainment or whatsoever. What it is, it's a fleeting, it's a passing form of happiness. And so this morning, Ecclesiastes, I thought about that, and I thought, man, you know, if you open Scripture, uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, in verses number 10 and 11, the Bible says, all that my eyes desired. I did not refuse them. This is Solomon writing, the, 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 the most wealthy person on the planet ever. Uh, and he says this. He says, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus, I considered all my activities which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted. And behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. And, uh, and I thought about that. I thought about the psychology today and why did we even do that study when Scripture was written a long time ago and we have this in Scripture. And, and, and I was just overwhelmed with, with, with 
how hard-headed we can be. Isn't it interesting how hard-headed we can be? The God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, His Word tells us that, hey, you're not going to find happiness in your prosperity. You're not going to find happiness in your pleasure. And yet, how much of our time is invested thinking, I can attain it somehow? When the fact of the matter is, we've been told time and time and time again, it's written in God's Word. That is not where it is found. Really, basically, there's only two ways to live life. Uh, and, and there's either, either my way, uh, which, which ultimately, and that's the whole book of Ecclesiastes. I can live life my way. I can try to figure it out. I can try to attain and achieve. And at the end of the day, my way just simply leads to vanity. Uh, uh, in other words, it's, 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 it's like trying to get full on cotton candy. You're just chasing something that just dissolves. That's a sore subject for us because that's my wife's favorite candy. But I'm just saying, man, it messes with my head. Uh, every time I eat cotton candy, I think of the things of life and how they just, they just dissolve into nothingness. But anyways, how much time do we spend searching out those things in life. I can live it my way, which ultimately leads to vanity, or I can live it God's way. I can live it God's way. And this morning, uh, we're in a text of Scripture. The Lord Jesus Christ preaches. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and he's addressing, he's addressing, uh, really, he's addressing a group of religious people. He's addressing people that are caught up in Judaism. And Judaism had become basically a rogue religion where it was, where it was man-made laws. And, 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 and what happened is people would try to attain righteousness by observing these laws and thought that, man, by, by, by looking on the outside, by my actions, I can attain it. By my actions, if I'm a religious person, person. And, and Jesus comes along and Jesus says, hey, listen, it's not about externals, it's about internals. It's not about your actions. It's not about being a religious person. And the fact of the matter is, although Jesus is talking to people that were tied up in Judaism, I would say that there are people that are tied up in Christianity today that are nothing more than religious people. In other words, it's just about going to church. It's just about being baptized. It's just about these outward actions, which, by the way, if my heart is where it ought to be, then my outward actions will, in fact, follow. I'm not suggesting that outward actions are bad in and of themselves, but Jesus Christ said it's not about what's happening on the outside that I'm concerned about. It's what's on the inside, because I can have outward actions and still be a stench in the nostril of God. If my heart's not right. I mean, I can go to church and I can say prayers and I can sing songs and I can give money and I can get baptized and I can do all of these outward things that in and of themselves are wonderful steps of obedience. But if my heart's not right, then I'm not right. And Jesus, in this Sermon on the Mount, he's preaching and he says, hey, listen, it's not about what's happening on the outside it's all about what's going on on the inside. God's ingredients for a happy life. It begins with what we refer to as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, blessed, blessed, nine times over, blessed. And the word blessed simply means happy. So the Bible says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountains, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. 
He opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, <clears throat> they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Nine times he says, blessed. In other words, when you're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ is beginning his earthly ministry. By the way, if you back up just a little bit, his first message was recorded. It was very brief, and he's just simply saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. To call to repentance, and it's, it's what's lacking in preaching today, by the way. To repent, to, to turn from my sin, to turn from my wicked ways. And when you're talking about Jesus Christ, by the way, he is the greatest preacher ever to preach a message. I'm thankful for the word that he gives us. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new uh, creature. He's a new creation. His nature has been changed from the inside out. And so Scripture teaches us uh, uh, what, what we're talking about this morning, that my nature gets changed on the inside. But when we're talking about happiness and when we're talking about happy, a lot of times we throw that word around happy. Warren Wearsby says the word for happy here is an inner satisfaction that is not dependent upon outward circumstances. An inward satisfaction that is not dependent upon outward circumstances. And so here we are, and he says, bless, 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 nine times over. And a lot of times what we do is we throw that word around, right? I mean, we, we, we have shirts that say blessed. We have uh, car stickers. You never find them on a little Pinto or anything like that, but you find them on some nice cars. It says blessed, you know, like, 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 like all of our blessings. And by the way, it is good. It is good to be able to acknowledge that, man, whatever, anything and everything that I have is a gift from God to be used for his glory. And we can say we are blessed. However, however, when Jesus is talking about this word blessed in these verses of Scripture, he's not talking about anything that's happening materially on the outside. He's talking about everything that's happening in the heart of his children. And so, nine times over, he says, blessed. And first of all, he begins in verse number three with the first one. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And let's go ahead and lump in four and five together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek or the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And these first three of the Beatitudes have everything to do with our upward attitudes. In other words, it has everything to do with our relationship with God Almighty. He begins, blessed are the poor in spirit. Spirit. Poor simply means the destitute. It means that at the beginning of my relationship with God, I am so blessed if I ever come to the point where I recognize that I am spiritually empty. 100%. I bring nothing to the table but brokenness. I bring nothing to the relationship but sin. 
the depravity of man. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritually destitute. It's reflected throughout Scripture. In fact, in Isaiah 6, you remember in Isaiah 6 where Isaiah, the prophet, is in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, he cries out and he says, Woe, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people that are sinful. What was he saying? He's saying, I recognize my total depravity in the presence of a holy God. How blessed, how blessed is the person that comes to that point. Unfortunately, many never get there for a lot of reasons. One reason is because sometimes what we do in life is rather than sitting in the presence of a holy God and allowing his word to speak into my life, I'm so mindful of those around me and I'm so comparing myself to those around me that sometimes there's some that seem to be struggling a little more than I do. And we just kind of justify it and say, man, I'm doing better off than he is. Or we'll say, man, everybody's doing it. It's not a big deal. Sin. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize their utter depravity before God Almighty. To be broken before God Almighty. Personally, sometimes we excuse and we overlook our sin. But then I think about churches and where we are today. And there's so many churches today where our pastors are more, more concerned with trying to keep people comfortable than calling to repentance. God help us. The Bible says in Psalm 51, in Psalm 51, verse number 17, the Bible says it <clears throat> like this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So the first has to do with conviction over sin, recognizing blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's where we begin but it's not just where we begin. It's where we ought to maintain. It's where we ought to live. To be poor in spirit. To recognize I'm destitute. I'm depraved. I have a nature that's fallen. And being keenly aware of that. And it's one thing to know it. So he takes it a step further. He says, blessed are those who mourn. And verse number four. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted comforted, talking about lamenting, and he's talking about lamenting over sin. Lamenting, it's the deepest form of lamenting that exists in the Greek language. To lament, to be broken over sinfulness. I mean, when you think about, think about life for just a minute. Think about your life for a minute. What do you lament? What do you lament? When's the last time you shed tears? A lot of times we shed tears for a lot of different reasons. I mean, sometimes it's the death of a loved one. Sometimes it's the death of an animal. We lament those things. Man, I'll lament if I go to a brownie dish and the center brownie's cut out and taken away before I got to it. <laughs> to lament. When's the last time we lamented because, man... I am a sinner in the presence of a holy God. I've fallen short of your glory to lament, to be broken. 
You know what the good news is of the gospel of Jesus Christ? If I go there and am broken and confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And that is why he says in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Aren't you thankful? That's the song. That's the heartbeat of the believer, to mourn. But then he takes it a step further, and he says, not only is it mourning over sin, which, by the way, 2 Corinthians 7, the Bible says it like this in verse number 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 10 for though I caused you sorrow by my letter, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he had already written one letter, so I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that that letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. Aren't you grateful to God? The Bible goes on in verse number 10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so the sorrow of repentance that leads to repentance also leads to a surrendered heart. The Bible says in verse number 5, Blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. In other words, what is that? That's simply power under control. It's simply a word that's used to describe a horse that's been broken so that he can be ridden by a rider. And he's simply saying this, man, that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there comes a point in my life when I recognize, man, I am a sinner and I have fallen short of the glory of God. And I've called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Romans chapter number 10 and in verse number 9 that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. You see, what happens to us a lot of times is we just simply want a Savior. I just want, I just want fire insurance. I just want to know that I'm not going to go to hell one of these days. Well, you know, Jesus is preaching and he's saying, hey, it's more to it than that. It's more to it than fire insurance. I want to be your Lord. I will guide you. I will guard you. I will be the good shepherd that will lead you and protect you and provide for you. Meekness. <clears throat> I'm grateful <clears throat> for God's goodness to us. Our relationship, a proper relationship with God, it's not about religious activity, it's about relationship, and relationship begins when we recognize who we are, when our upward attitude is right. And then it goes on from there in verse number 6, and he starts talking about inward attitudes that we possess as believers. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you my people, man. I'm, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell within your hearts and I'm going to change you from the inside out. And that's exactly what he does. And he says, hey, you want to really be happy? Because there's, hey, by the way, there's a lot of believers that aren't really happy because they're not totally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, if I'm still living my life the way I want to live my life, I can be a saved person and yet be miserable and outside the will of God. And so that's why he's saying, hey, you want to be blessed? You want to be happy? 
Then possess these attitudes along the way. Possess these attitudes along the way. And so in verse number 6, he goes on and he says it like this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It has to do with our appetite. Do I have a hunger and thirst for God? The Bible says over in Matthew 6, we're going to get to there in a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, I don't know, but in Matthew 6 and in verse number 33, the Lord Jesus Christ, still in the middle of this sermon, he simply says this, Matthew chapter number 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. You know what's interesting about an appetite? So he's talking about an appetite here, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know what's interesting about an appetite? I can eat a meal this morning, I need another one by the end of the day. <laughs> it's not a one and done. It's not a one and done. And this whole relationship with Jesus Christ thing, it, it, it's not about, man, I got saved back there 25 years ago, and I'm done. It's a daily grind. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Like a hungry man longs for food. Like a thirsty man longs for drink? Or am I indifferent in my walk with Christ? Have I lost my appetite? When we're talking about appetite, let's just be real. There's only three things that happen to an appetite along the way. Physically speaking, physically speaking, what happens when I don't have an appetite? What happens when I don't have an appetite? Well, there's a couple of reasons why sometimes I don't have an appetite. One of them would be because I'm full up with other stuff. I mean, I mean, my mama taught me that. You're going to lose your appetite, go eat those cookies. <laughs> and I just eat the cookies and the steak all together, you know. <laughs> but I can be filled with stuff such that I lose my appetite. Another reason how come I lose my appetite is because I'm just sick. Sick, physically. You ever lost your appetite? means there's something wrong with me. If I'm a believer and I don't have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, then there's something wrong in identifying what is wrong with me. Am I full of junk? Am I sick spiritually? Hey, you know, you know the third person that doesn't have an appetite? The one that's dead. They, they don't hunger and thirst. They don't hunger and thirst. Hey, just a serious question. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? If not, what's the problem? What's the problem? It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It has to do with our appetite. Verse 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Christians ought to be the most merciful people on the planet because of what we have experienced in our life. The merciful. Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The Bible says, The Lord's loving kindness, or, or His mercies indeed, never cease. 
for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I have received so much mercy. And saying, hey, you know what? If you really want to be happy, if you really want to be blessed, then be merciful. And if I really understand the depth of my depravity, and I really understand how much mercy I have been partaking, then I can be a merciful person. Unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes we're just not merciful people. We see people that are guilty, and we cry out for justice. And you know what happens? We lose our happiness. <laughs> we lose our happiness. I mean, think about it. I, 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 was, I was on the interstate this past week with my wife, man. We were driving down the road, and she was sleeping, so we were going, anyway, we were going... I heard this phrase that said, uh, 78, you skate, 79, you mind. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But anyways, I was going down the highway, and I was over 70. I was over 70. And, uh, and uh, somebody came around me, like, over 80. And I'm telling you, man, I, when they came around me over 80, I was like, oh, man, I hope they get a ticket. <laughs> what is that? It made me miserable for a moment. Because <laughs> I, I said, man, I want justice for them but I'm thankful for the mercy I get. But how many times do we live that way, spiritually speaking? Oh, I, I, know, I know that I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but their sin is great. And they deserve punishment. And if we live life just simply judging everybody else and saying, man, I demand justice for these people, then I'm missing out on the blessing of God. Blessed are the mercy. It doesn't mean I overlook sin. That's not what it means. <clears throat> but it means I have a heart that recognizes and will make this statement no matter who I come into contact with. No matter, hey, listen, no matter who I come into contact with, I need to be able to make this statement there, but by the grace of God, go I. What do you mean, preacher? It means I have the propensity to be just as sinful as anybody else on the planet. I'm thankful for the mercy I have received. You want to be blessed? Be merciful. Be merciful. He says in verse number 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Singleness of heart, to take off, to take off my dirty clothes, my dirty garments. You know what happens to us if we're not careful along the way is we just get kind of callous in our relationship, spiritually speaking, and we think it's not a big deal, and we start to wink at sin. And aren't you thankful? Seriously, seriously, aren't you thankful today that His grace is greater than all of my sin. I mean, if it weren't, then we'd all be in trouble. His grace is greater than all of my sin. But be careful that His grace is not used as a license to sin. I mean, if His grace is greater than all my sin, then why don't I just live it up? Because the Bible addresses that too in Romans 6. God help us <clears throat> to be pure and heart to take off 
the dirty clothes. You know, I was thinking about purity of heart, thinking about the story of Lazarus. Remember the story of Lazarus? Uh, Lazarus had died and was put in the grave for several days. Jesus comes to town. Remember the story? Jesus comes to town, and, and, and the family's weeping, and the family's crying. Jesus goes over to the grave, and he calls Lazarus out. He says, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the grave. Remember when Lazarus came out of the grave, and Jesus said, hey, get those clothes off of him, those dirty, dingy grave clothes. Get them off of him. And they took them off. Why? Because they're unbecoming on a man that's alive. They're dirty, and they're dingy, and they don't belong. What would you have thought had we read further down, and Jesus said, well, after a little while, after a couple days, he went back there and picked those clothes back up and put them back on himself. How disgusting. Saying, blessed are the pure in heart, for... Proverbs 4.23, Proverbs 4.23. The <clears throat> Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. It's different on there because it's a different version, but basically, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. To guard my heart. Why? Because my actions will follow my heart. Because my heart matters Ross talked about it last week with Cain and Abel. My heart matters. Blessed are the pure in heart. <clears throat> God, help me to live a life of purity, undevoted devotion. I was thinking this thought this week when I was looking at this one in particular, the pure in heart. And I had this thought. I had this question that I asked myself this question, and I want to ask you the same question that I asked myself. If I were as devoted to my wife as I am to my Jesus, would we still be married today? To think that sin is really not that big of a deal. To think that God winks at sin. Jesus is saying in this passage, blessed are the pure in heart, not the dingy, the dirty. Blessed are the pure in heart, <clears throat> for they shall see God. He goes on verse number 9, 10, 11, and 12 and talks about our outward attitude. Verse number 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The peacemakers. Blessed are the, the peacemakers, not a peacekeeper. See, a peacekeeper oftentimes sweep things under the rug, but a peacemaker addresses issues directly. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. You see, God is very much concerned with mankind being at peace with him and at mankind being at peace with others. And you know what causes division and strife is sin. I mean, sin, sin is what destroys peace. Our peace with God. Go back and read scriptures from Genesis chapter number 1. You get down to Genesis chapter number 3 and the fall of man. What happened at the fall of man? Peace with God was broken because of sin. Genesis 4, Ross preached on it last week. Cain and Abel, man to man. Peace was broken. Why? Because of sin. Because of sin. <clears throat> 
Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. You know what, you know what he's called us in, in other passages of Scripture? He calls us witnesses. He, he, he says, I want you to go and I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. He says, I want you to be about the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 18 through 20. The Bible says this, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself. In other words, he brought peace to us. He reconciled and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, what he's saying is this. <clears throat> Blessed are the peacemakers. You have the privilege, you have the opportunity to be a peacemaker, to be a minister of reconciliation with others. But understand this, that although I might have that ministry given to me, not everybody's going to be excited about that ministry. He says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. In other words, he's saying, hey, it's, it's going to happen. If you're seeking the ministry of reconciliation, if you're seeking to be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, just know this. Before they persecuted you, they persecuted the Lord Jesus Christ that you represent. You will go through days of persecution. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. Don't, don't think it's going to just be filled with a bunch of people saying, wow, aren't you wonderful? No, they're not going to say that. You are Jesus with skin on. What did it do with him? In fact, when you're looking at Cain and Abel, think about the life of Cain and Abel. We talked about it last week, Cain and Abel. It wasn't, because Abel, it wasn't because Abel was going around and preaching to Cain. But the way he lived his life, the way he lived his life was repulsive to his brother. And there will be people in the world that look at you who follow the Lord Jesus Christ and will be repulsed by that. So we endure persecution because of the life we live, number one, but because of the Lord that we love. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says, you know, you're in good company. You are in good company. He says, just know this, no earthly hardship that we will ever endure is compared to to our reward in heaven. Jesus is talking in this passage of Scripture, and he says this is the blessed life. This, this is what it means to be blessed. It means to have a heart that is hot for Jesus Christ. It means to, to have a spirit that's totally surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He says that, that's what it means to be blessed. That's what it means to be. It's not about the outward actions, although if my heart is right, my actions are going to follow. But my actions can, if my heart's not right, 
make me a miserable person. So the question is, do you find joy in following Jesus Christ? Satisfied. I'm satisfied. The life he's calling us to is supernatural. You cannot. It's impossible. It is impossible to live this life apart from the indwelling, empowering Holy Spirit of the living God. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so maybe you're here today, and I just want to ask this simple question. Have you ever been born again? Because if you've never been born again, it's impossible to live this life. And so God help us. God help us to see ourselves for who we really are. And only then can we really see him for who he really is. I'm a sinner that's fallen short of his glory, that he loves so much that he sent his one and only son into this world, and his son took my sin. His son paid the price for my debt, my sin debt on the cross, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could stand justified before God Almighty. Ever been a time in your life when you've been born again, call on his name? If not, I'm inviting you today to call on his name. But hey, let me, let me ask you this question. Brothers and sisters, children of the living God, are you comfortable in sin? God help us to have a broken and contrite heart. Bless us, bless us with a broken and contrite heart over sin. Break our heart as the song says, for what breaks yours. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Just want to encourage you today, maybe you're here this morning, never, never been a time in your life when you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, man, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, it's not about fixing myself up, it's not about getting right, because I can't. But he loves me. He loves me unconditionally. Man, this morning, if you've never called on his name, I'm inviting you. We're going to pray, and after we pray, we're going to sing a song. And when that song is finished, we're going to be standing down front. I'll wait for you. This morning, you may be here and say, man, I, I want to be saved today. I want to call on the name of Jesus today. Man, I want a relationship with God today. I want to be blessed that's your heart today. I'm inviting you to come. You come. Brothers and sisters, would you ask the Holy Spirit of God to search your heart today? Those deep, dark places that sometimes we don't even know exist. Invite Him. God, shine your light. Shine your light And bless me with a broken and contrite heart today. Oh, God, have your way. God, have your way. We need you. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your tender mercies. And for this moment and opportunity, we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.